Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. My guest today is the former um, chairman of the State Democratic Party, John, or co-chairman, uh, John Sullivan. And he's here to share his thoughts on Andrew Cuomo's troubles. So, John, you know, you well, let, me, let me say, from, though, Cynthia, I'm, I'm speaking as an individual rather than any former political party leader. I'm just right. reacting as any other New Yorker would. And so I have no special, uh, no special entree into the okay. world of, of uh, the governor at this moment. Okay. So overall, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, politicians and scandal uh, sometimes are interchangeable. It's uh, what do they say? It's always been with us. For, for years and years, um, the larger in life a political figure looms, it seems the harder and, and deeper the fall when it does happen. And, you know, we all, all of us have feet of clay, some of us obviously more than others. But we have a tendency to, to want to make our politicians into heroes. Well, the fact is, Cynthia, that they're as human as anyone else. Now, my hero as a kid growing up was John F. Kennedy. But if you were to judge him by today's standards, I don't think he'd be a candidate for, for Mount Rushmore. You know, you think of people yeah. like um, Harry Truman. Harry Truman was no hero in his day, but his status has grown over time. So you might mm-hmm. wonder why. Well, Harry Truman was grounded in Midwest values. He was true to his wife, Bess. He, as far as we know, didn't have a wandering eye, and he was very resolute in his determination. Now, he, he may have started each day with a big glass of bourbon, but he took a brisk two-mile walk and ate an otherwise healthy diet. He kept his weight in check, and he was, in the end, he was no Winston Churchill in the booze department. But mm-hmm. Harry is, is highly regarded today. And on the surface, at least, I think Joe Biden appears to be the most like Harry Truman, but then contrast him with others like Bill Clinton, Elliot Spitzer, Eric Schneiderman, and even Shelley Silver. And I respected and admired all of them, but they all proved subject to human failings, whether it was whether it was sex, or greed, um, alcohol. None of us are perfect. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. I think Andrew. Just by the way he talks, he invites comparison to his father, Mario, who is still one of my all-time political heroes. And Andrew is not his father in temperament, although he, he sounds like him. I, I can tell you from my experience that Andrew is a very talented uh, political and governmental leader. But micromanaging, manipulative, and demanding could also be adjectives that you could uh, attribute to him. Mm-hmm. But add effective manager and, and agent for much change. So there are two sides, maybe three or four, to Andrew Cuomo. One is good, the other not as good. And he allows, as any public official, if he can help it, only the good side. If he can control public access and so Andrew works his will through others in a, in a somewhat manipulative fashion, and there's nothing wrong with that in politics. 
unless that manipulation is for an evil purpose. That, for example, Trump, he publicly manipulated people to further his objectives. But what were his right. objectives? Fundamentally racist, misogynist, undemocratic. So the really important thing in public life, I think, Cynthia, is tell the truth. Tell the truth to the public. Don't gild the lily. Be honest, and you'll maintain the credibility necessary to do the job. Now, on the issue of the nursing home scandal, Mm -hmm. uh, the nursing home uh, misrepresentation, I should say, of the numbers, was there a reason for that? Apparently, um, did he make the right call in saying that um, people with um, COVID infections should go back to the nursing home, be discharged from hospitals to make hospital beds empty and for those um, healthier individuals who needed more acute attention? I don't know. I don't think it turns out that that was the best decision. However, it was made at the height of the pandemic. He did the best he could. It was a really uh, a Hobson's choice. You know, you, it was a no-win situation. But you don't cover it up. You don't try to fudge the figures. And if that is what happened, well, then I think that we'll have to let the chips fall where they may. But but still, it's important that we await the outcome of the investigation in that regard. Now, when you get to the personal conduct, that's a whole other, whole other subject. I mean, uh, I have felt his um, rather cold stare at times, and I've also felt uh, from him a warm embrace. I mean, he's Italian. He likes to hug people. Um, well, as long as he doesn't cross the line, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think the problem is lines have changed over the years with the Me Too movement and so forth. So the presumptive rules of engagement between men and women in public life, those have changed as well. So in my view, I think Andrew's fault is in part not perceiving that in the way that he should. Partly maybe a function of his age, partly maybe a function of uh, lonely bachelorhood. We all long for human intimacy. Well, that's mm-hmm. flexible, but it doesn't warrant his resignation. You know, uh, but if the investigation shows that he crossed other lines, like physical touching, without consent, then then I would say, yeah, there, there would be potential grounds for resignation or removal. But let's let's wait for the outcome of these investigations uh, before passing judgment. Mm-hmm. I did, I did that read that. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Do you think that too many Democrats are jumping the gun? and requesting his removal. Do you think it's going to backfire on them possibly in the long run? I don't know about backfire. I think people who are telling the truth have nothing to fear by coming forward, nor should they. But if it turns out that people in some way are motivated by other than truth-telling and have an agenda, um, then that's a horse of a different color. But I, I think it's best there is now an independent investigation in the hands of the Attorney General. I think we're best to just wait the outcome before any judgments are, are passed. And uh, remember, remember 1974 and Wilbur Mills? Yeah. If you remember him. Yeah. Fanny Fox, the stripper, yeah. the title basin. Well, yeah. Wilbur Mills was one of the most powerful men in Washington. He was 
guess you'd call them fastidious and smart, very demanding, until that uh, booze-fueled rampage that night in the, in the Tidal Basin. That was the end of Wilbur Mills. Mm-hmm. Um, he found religion, quit drinking, and changed his life. And, you know, more recently, interesting to see uh, the congressman from the Southern Tier, Tom Reed, is it? Uh, he, he admitted to a booze-related, uh, I guess you'd call it a groping incident with a lobbyist. So he said he's not running for re-election. He blamed it on alcohol. He's joined AA. He's trying to make amends to those he hurt. And he's, he's going to leave politics. So he's owned up to his own personal failings. And, and really, uh, most political scandals are the result of one of three things, sex, alcohol abuse, and greed. But you know, Cynthia, there's a fourth. I would submit there's a fourth political failing, which can also be fatal. That fourth failing is hubris. Hubris. Okay. You know, an exaggerated sense of, of self-importance. And hubris can be just as fatal to a politician. And if you don't believe me, ask Elliot Spitzer. Remember, Elliot called himself the steamroller. Thought right. he was invincible, and ultimately that proved not to be the case. So when you're a political leader and you have power, it's important to maintain a healthy balance and to keep your ego in check. Well, they say power corrupts absolute power corrupts absolutely. I agree. Mm-hmm. I also think that uh, longevity in office is not always the best. 14 or uh, 12 years of a, uh, one uh, office is more than enough. I, I, I think 16 years is a bit much personally. But, um, you know, when I, uh, let me give you an example when I, how hard it is to maintain your ego in check. When I was the mayor, people would come into city hall and they'd say, Hey mayor, you look good today. Boy, you lost weight. Gee, looking great. And, uh, Hey, by the way, my son-in-law needs a job, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, you would tend to see yourself as greater than you were really. And you look in the paper and there are lots of smiling pictures, cutting ribbons, get a lot of press attention. Well, it's not always flattering. Uh, It can be overwhelming. So, you know what, I, I, I was always appreciative of one thing. I had an executive assistant, his name was Eli, and we had a deal that we'd be in a meeting, and I said, if I get out of line, if you think I'm going too far, just kick me in the shins. And he would. He would sit on my right-hand side, and more than once, I felt that jab in my shins, and I'd say, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, I have to leave for a moment. I got to take a call or whatever, and I'd walk outside. Eli would be right behind me. He'd go, hey, John, are you serious? Do you really want to say that? Come on, think about what you're doing. You know, and I'd say, oh, yeah. Yes, I was getting a little puffed up. And I'd go back in the meeting, and then I'd say, now, on the other hand. So I guess my point is that everybody needs an Eli. Everybody needs a good kick in the shin, whether you're a mayor, county executive, a governor, or president of the United States. You need somebody to knock you down a peg when you become too hubristic. I think okay. uh, I think that was Trump's yeah. biggest problem because he had no aides or honest enough with him to tell him that he was wrong at times. Uh, Andrew, uh, you know, sometimes it's a spouse who acts in that regard. The spouse can knock you down. Barbara Bush uh, performed that function for her husband and 
I think that uh, Laura Bush did as well. So Mm -hmm. Andrew is single, and therefore he doesn't have a a spouse making him toe the line. And so, you know, that may be a symptom of uh, uh, the hubristic hubristic tendency on his part that's unchecked. But, I mean, when you boil it all down, you could say, let's look at this. Is he flirtatious? Yes. Does he appreciate looking at a, a good-looking young woman in high heels? Yes. Predator? Well, I personally doubt it, but the jury is still out on that question. And, and again, I think it's best just not to rush to judgment. Let the AG perform the review, and we'll see where that takes us. Meanwhile, you know, you, you and I had conversations last year, you know, when COVID first hit, and you talk, we talk about Cuomo, and you were saying he did a good job and everything. So when mm-hmm. all this stuff came to the surface and it hit the news, were you surprised? Um, no. I mean, I was a little surprised about the uh, business of him being Randy. Uh, I know his style. So I wasn't surprised about the issue being raised about the nursing home numbers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that that's something that would go along with the way he tends to manage public information. But yeah, I was surprised in terms of the allegations about the personal uh, conduct. And um, that's why I think, you know, everyone's if, – if you cross a line, and the question today is what is that line – you know, if you're a person in power and you, you subject a subordinate to suggestive situations, I'd say that is crossing a line. But, you know, mm-hmm. that's amendable. He, he, can, he can change that. If he, on the other hand, engaged in some physical activity like um, Congressman Reed, you know, he, he had, Reed admitted that he was drunk one night. He didn't even remember what he did. But he apologized mm-hmm. for it. Well, Andrew is saying mm-hmm. no, he did not. I think we have to take him at his word for now, and and let's wait and see what uh, what the whole uh, investigation reveals. But you know, the, yeah. the longer you're in politics, uh, Cynthia, the more subject you are to hubris, and the more fatal uh, it can become. And so, I, I think I would suggest that he'd be better to just hunker down. Cooperate with the investigation, the truth allowed, finish his term. I'd take a break from elective politics for a few years. I, if I were him, I wouldn't run for re-election. But then he could make a comeback in some other form of a point of service a few years down the road after all the dust settles and this, is, this clears up. Because he has a lot to offer. I mean, he has, he has made much um, change, positive change for the state, same-sex marriage being one example. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got to you've got to be tough in politics, in New York particularly, because you have so many competing interests, and um, you know, finding a way to be tough but fair, and not crossing the line, that that is a very very difficult task. But I have to say, for the most part, I think he has performed it well, not perfectly. Uh, has he gone overboard on some? occasions yes i've been critical of him before 
and I praised him when I thought he was right. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I gave an interview to a reporter for one of the tabloids in New York City, and they, I think, took what I said somewhat out of context and blew it up out of proportion. So I was a little reluctant even to get into a discussion with you, Cynthia, about it, although you've always been very fair to me, because I don't mean to be presumptive. I don't mean to be telling people. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm far from perfect. That's for sure. But I'm older. I'm out of office. I have studied politics all of my life. I have come to some conclusions. I have some, I think, advice to give, whether it's listened to or not. So I thought to myself, you know, uh, I, I think I think it's better to talk to Cynthia and to at least let her or share with her what my thoughts are. So I really have mm-hmm. I sat down, Cynthia, and I wrote a lot of stuff down, and I, I thought this through, and hopefully I at least made some type of a uh, – clear uh, statement and hopefully um, you know people won't take it out of context but you never know you know uh, Andrew Cuomo is his father's son Um, Mario Cuomo got into politics when, when Andrew was quite young had Mario just chose to practice law, get into the political arena, do you think that Andrew Cuomo would have struck out on his own and gotten into politics? Who knows? You know, I I think he's got the temperament for it. Mario Cuomo, on the other hand, I mean, Mario Cuomo, I always described him as the premier political polemicist of our times. He was a thinker. He was a philosopher. He was an excellent, excellent public speaker. And he, mm-hmm. um, he delved into things with his heart and soul. And he was credible. I, I was one of the early supporters of uh, Mario Cuomo when he was considering running for mayor. So I've always admired him and the Cuomo family. Um, Andrew is a different person than his dad. He's more task-oriented. He's more a fix-it kind of guy. Uh, would he have been thrust into the public limelight were it not for his father's governorship? Certainly not. Uh, but would he have made it on his own? Uh, I don't know. But, you know, Mario Cuomo, there were those who faulted him, too. They said he was too cerebral, too hands-off when it came to managing the government, that he was more interested in what they call him at the time, Hamlet on the Hudson. Know, that he was right. debating and brooding and arguing with himself and that things would go by. And so uh, Andrew Cuomo is not Hamlet on the Hudson. He's uh, uh, Mr. Fix-It. <laughs> but sometimes things are so broken that who knows if they can be fixed. But you make an attempt at it. And, and I do know that he is good faith, in good faith, attempting to solve the um, pandemic concerns that New Yorkers are facing. I have no doubt in my mind that he's, he's in charge, he's at the wheel, and he's doing the best he can. But, you know, when, yeah. you, when you let your ego get so enlarged that you think, gee, you know, I'm swell, and people tell you that, that's when you need someone to kick you in the shins and say, no, listen, 
you know, you got some good advice here. Let's just tone it down. And that's what I think mm-hmm. they've been missing here. So do you think a lot of people might say, well, you know, it's the devil we know versus the devil we don't know. So do you think people are reversed to try to force Andrew out because who knows what what might, who might be governing after Andrew Cuomo? You know, the, longer, the longer you are in public office, the more good you can do, but the more toes you step on. And so over a period of time, you know, that builds up. The resentments are there. Whether you're a mayor and you didn't, you appoint one person and you've got two other people on the civil service list who are disappointed with you, you know? So if you make 100 appointments in the course of your term, you've got uh, 100 people thinking you're swell and you've got 300 people thinking that you're a son of a pup. So the longer right. you, you maintain uh, political office, the more there is an opportunity for resentment to build as much as there's also an opportunity for you to feel somewhat entitled. And that's why, frankly, I support term limits. I do. I think uh, eight years ought to be enough for any uh, mayor, any governor, and any president. And as far as legislator, maybe maybe 12, maybe a little longer for a legislator. But, you know, uh, get in, do your do the public service, and then get out. You, you know the, the Cuomo family quite well. This has got to be well, really Well, I wouldn't say quite well, but I've known them for a long time. And, I, you know, again, yeah. I greatly admired uh, the governor and Mrs. Cuomo, and, and uh, I do hold the family in high regard, yes. So this has got to be a pretty Tilda. She's 89. She doesn't need mm-hmm. something like this. Wouldn't you agree? She's a wonderful, magnanimous, sweet, warm person. Right. She doesn't need this. Mm, Wow. So uh, ultimately, from the press reports and, and reading the newspaper and watching it on TV, ultimately, what do you think is going to happen? I think the Attorney General will... Uh, make a finding, or at least explain what it is she found, and then we can take it from there. Okay. So you think the next term is up for grabs right now? Well, everything's up for grabs. I just my personal recommendation to Andrew would be forego running for a fourth term. It was your your father did not achieve that, it'd be nice for him to say, oh, I did something my father couldn't do, I want a fourth term. But to what end? What can you uh, do in 16 years that you couldn't do in 12? And uh, so I, I think that uh, I think the fourth term is something that uh, he, he'd be better off if he passed on that because he then can come back, whether it's as a Supreme Court judge or a cabinet officer or an ambassador or something. He has a lot of talent and a lot of ability to do more good for the public. But all of that could be lost by his running for a fourth term, losing, and then um, pretty much being kicked to the side of the road. There comes a time when you got to, you've heard me use this quote before, and maybe it's best to end with this. Kenny Rogers, the great political philosopher, 
said. Right. You got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. You got to know when to walk away. And you got to know when to run. Most of us in political mm-hmm. life, the hardest thing to do is to walk off the stage when we're still applauding. And it, that's something that Jenny Thorson did very gracefully, right? Yep, yep. You know, knowing when to leave. Now, if I were Tom Brady, uh, I guess I'd play another two years too. <laughs> not not his time yet. But I think a couple uh, years down the road, probably it'll be even time for Tom Brady. Okay. So, Maybe he'll run for public office. <laughs> you know, he lives in uh, he lives in Clearwater which is near where I'm at here in St. Petersburg. Oh, okay. You're Florida. Mm-hmm. So we have a few minutes left, John. Tell tell our listening audience a little bit about you, your writings, your books and stuff. Well, I've tried to turn the page several times in my life, Cynthia. As you know, I, I was a lawyer in private practice for like 37 years. I had a life-changing experience with my wife dying at a young age. She was only 53. That, that really changed my life. I, uh, I was elected as a young man, as a county legislator. I then became a county chairman. I became involved in state politics. I was 1982 citizens for Cuomo chairman in Oswego County. So I was always you know, involved. I ran for delegate to the Dem- Democratic National Convention in 1972 as a McGovern delegate. When I was in college, I worked as a civil rights worker in Columbia, South Carolina, going door-to-door, signing people up to vote. So I've always been politically active. I then ran for mayor, and uh, several years after I uh, left office as mayor, I was asked by then-Speaker Silver to uh, take over the helm of the Democratic Party in New York State. That's when Governor Cuomo lost to George Pataki. So I did for three years. I traveled the state. Really, uh, with, you know, my... my Bailiwick really was upstate. And I'm proud to say that we organized something called the Democratic Rural Conference, uh, which mm-hmm. is the, an organization of 40 small counties united for victory, and that still exists today, and that's something I'm very proud of. And I'm also proud of the fact when I was mayor that we started something called Harbor Fest, which became one of the most successful uh, summer festivals in the United States. And I used to get up at the beginning of Harbor Fest and and there were four magic words that started it all. Those magic words were, let the fun begin. And we had a lot of fun. And I've had a lot of fun in my career. I've, uh, since retiring, I've, I've taught for 14 years on and off on the college level. I've actually written four books. I write a column. Um, I've written a column for eight years, a non-political column called Forks in the Road, which uh, highlights uh, the life of a prominent local citizen, tell a lot of stories about them and, and mention a lot of names. People love it. And I also mm-hmm. wrote uh, my own autobiography in which I mentioned my anecdotal experience with any number of um, national and state politicians. And I, I, I kind of took a leaf out of the uh, Tim Russett's playbook, and it's kind of like hop in the car, ride along with me, let me tell you my story. So I would. they're all on Amazon.com and uh, – uh, Barnes and Noble, if you get a chance. So, John, I'm sure that you and I will be talking again on Focus on Albany. You have been listening to John Sullivan. I'm Cynthia Pooler. This is Focus on Albany. If you like this show, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. 
John, I always enjoy talking with you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great day. Feeling is mutual. Thank you, Cynthia.